Father, it is in the wonderful everlasting name of your son, Jesus, Lord, that we come. Father, we thank you for this day, God. This is a brand new day that you have made. Lord, and help us, Father, through the power of the rule of happiness, Lord, that we would uh, be glad and rejoice in it, Father. Help us not to take this day in vain. Help us not to take it for granted, God. Help us to be able to realize and recognize that this is a brand new opportunity that you gave us to live here on this earth. And, God, we thank you for it, Father. And as we uh, woke up this morning, God, as you gave us newness of life, Father, God, we thank you that you put breath in our bodies, God, that our right and our right minds, that there's strength in our bodies, God, that everything that we needed to do, God, that we were able to get up and move around and do it on our own. And we thank you for that ability, God, because everybody didn't have it today. God, so we thank you, God. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And as we moved around the city, God, and Father, we pray that we represented you well in all the places we went, all the things we did. Father, all the people that we talked to and related to pour into their lives, God, we pray that we uh, poured into their lives what comes from your word, God, that somebody may benefit, God, that somebody may be lifted up, God, that somebody might be exalted by the power of your word. So we thank you for choosing us and using us, God. And child, shalom, Jerusalem, we continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, God, because you said that we should. And you said for all those who pray for the peace of Jerusalem, God, that we shall be blessed. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to be part of your family, God, whether we're original or grafted in, God. We thank you for the ability, through the blood of your Son, God, that we are able to be called your children, God. Not just your creation, but we are part of your family, God, part of your eternal family. So we thank you, God, for all that you've done for us, to and through us. Uh, we know it was raining outside today, God, but we thank you that we were still able to have joy inside our hearts, God. Although the weather may be damp and cold on the outside, we don't have to be damp and cold on the inside. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. We trust you. Uh, we ask traveling mercies for those who may be on their way, God, and ask them to cover their vehicles. And for those who are watching via Facebook Live and those who are listening uh, via Anchor Podcast, God, we just bless your holy and righteous name. And we pray for each and every individual that's under the sound of my voice right now, whether they're here physically or just through technology. God, we pray, Father, that everyone, God, is in their right minds, God. We pray for health in these uh, days of coronavirus, God. We pray for strength, Father, and, and wisdom in these days of social injustice and uh, uh, racial divide, God. And we even pray for our homes, God, because not only are we are in, in a war against a pandemic, God, not only are we at war uh, with the other races, God, but we are at war with each other through the gender, God. The men and the women are now against one another, Father. So we pray that you would heal our homes, God, that you would heal our hearts, God. There was a lot of things from the past that we inherited into our homes, God. But we ask right now that you help us, God, to be able to love one another, to be able to trust one another, God, to be able to lift one another up, Father. Because uh, nobody can stand alone, God. You said through the word that when one falls, he needs somebody to help pick him up. But you went in your little puddle, and you even said that a three-chord strain is impossible to break. So God, help us, Father, as you are the Father, you have the Son, we are living with the power of the Holy Spirit. Have us to be able to live together in that type of unity and love. And we'll be sure to give you all praise, all glory, and all honor for it all. It is in the wonderful, powerful, everlasting name of your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ the Messiah, that we pray. All of God's people say amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, hallelujah. We say
say since uh, we've been dealing with coronavirus, I think Elder's been teaching on Sam uh, since March or April for sure. So we just wanna uh, jump back uh, into scripture that we may be able to look at the Bible because one of the things that I'm a firm believer of is that everything, and the Bible says this of itself, that everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in these scriptures. So we thank Elder for that information on Sam, uh, being able to realize how sex uh, and illicit sex uh, has, has destroyed a lot of our lives. A lot of our families fell down and it's in fallen condition right now because of illicit sex. And, uh, he went on and talked about addictions and uh, it used to just be mean alcohol, but we had to bump that up to say addictions, period, because uh, we have a tendency whenever we mention the word addiction, first thing our minds go to is uh, illicit drugs or uh, alcohol, and I don't know why we separate the two like they're both not mind and body altering substance. So uh, drugs and alcohol are the same thing. They alter our mind, our bodies, the way we think and the way we function. And he gave us good information on that, that uh, those things are destroying our lives and our homes as well. And we got into that last part of money. And the Bible says uh, specifically that it is the love of money uh, that is the root of all evil. And we're steady going out doing anything and everything trying to get money and we're losing our souls. Jesus said, what does it gain a man? What does it profit a man uh, to gain the world but lose his soul, his suka, his innermost part? Amen. So we want to go ahead and jump into uh, what God has placed on my heart that we would be able to see and compare uh, what is going on in our society today. Uh, if the Bible does not have ramification of your everyday life right now, uh, I, I won't say that the Bible is not doing its job because that is, is, is impossible. Uh, this is the word of God. He said it would not return void. So I know that scripture, the word of God, is doing its job if we would just read it and, 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 and uh, disseminate it throughout the community that the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we would just be able to read the word in such a way to where we could come into agreement on what the interpretation of the word is, we would be able to send it out into the world. And all, all those that were ordained from the foundation of the world, because God is not in heaven adding people's name to the book right now, if you read it correctly, you will notice that the book was written from the foundation of the world. All of those who would say yes to Jesus' names were placed in that book, and that book was closed. And not only was it closed, it was sealed with seven seals, and that's what he's talking about in Revelation. So God is not in heaven adding our names right now. God added the names of his children to that book uh, from the foundation of the world. So when we look at this book, we want to be able to look at this book to be able to get this information out to the community because there are still, to this day, some of God's people who have not said yes to Jesus, and their name is in that book, and I'm not rushing them, because God knows what they, they know except Jesus, but I want to make sure that I'm doing what I have to do, and go out there to the uttermost parts of the world, seeking and saving that which is lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as God ministered to me over the last few weeks, uh, and, and gave me this information, because as I read and studied this information, and, and if you remember correctly, last week I told you that we would be getting into the book of Habakkuk. Uh, some people call it Habakkuk, but it's actually Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk, K-U-K. Amen. And as we look at this book of uh, Habakkuk, the small, the minor prophet of Habakkuk, we'll see the comparison of the lives that we're living today uh, in 2020 America. 
Amen. And, and, and not to make it specific to America, because I'm under the firm belief that the whole world has lost its mind. That's why God allowed the pandemic to affect the entire world. It would have just been an epidemic if it would have stayed on one continent, but since it spread throughout the continents, it is referred to as a pandemic. Hallelujah. And I believe that God is using this pandemic, and we'll see uh, very shortly, hallelujah, I like showing it in the Bible, amen, we'll see that uh, God was getting the people's attention uh, by using something negative, hallelujah, to get his people's attention, amen, amen. So let's go ahead and jump right into the uh, Old Testament prophet, Habakkuk, amen. And I, I'm, I'm going to do uh, reading, amen. Because I want us to be able to read this together. That way we may be able to come uh, to the conclusion at the end that the word is right and I'm wrong. And when we find ourselves, when we can agree that the word is right and we're wrong, by the power of the Ruach HaKadosh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are able to allow God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to transform our lives, as Paul said in uh what is that, Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercy of God, hallelujah, that when we be transformed, that we be renewed in our mind, that we be no longer conformed to the ways of this world, amen, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, he said, we got to be able to change the way we think. When it has been proven to us through scripture, hallelujah, we can't change every time the president say change. We can't change every time all hearts say change. We can't change every time the world say change. But when something is spotted out, pointed out to you from scripture, I believe that it's time for us to allow God, hallelujah, because if we try to change on our own, it's only gonna be a temporary change. We'll revert back to our old behavior as the apostles did. They went back fishing when Jesus died, amen. When Jesus rose, hallelujah, uh, and, and ascended into heaven. They went right back to fishing. And sometimes, if we don't fill the void in our lives, we'll revert back to our old Hallelujah. So this Old Testament book of the minor prophet, Habakkuk, and, and these guys, these 12 guys are considered minor prophets only because of the size of their book. Hallelujah. It's not that their message was any uh, significant. It's not that uh, what they were trying to reach and, and tell the people that God said was any less significant than uh, the four major prophets, hallelujah, amen. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, those are the four major prophets, amen. And, and, and in the Bible, hallelujah, he's letting us know that their message, if we were to compare it, it's the same message that the major prophets had. It's just that their books are smaller uh, in chapter. You will notice that the minor prophets, uh, they have a less, uh, less chapters uh, in their books as the major prophets who have a very long book. Amen. And these 12 minor prophets uh, begin with Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those are your 12 minor prophets. Amen. Real, real quick again. And if you want to know where it is, you can just go to the contents of, in the front of the Bible, and it'll show all 12 to you. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nathan, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, uh, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Hallelujah. Those are the minor prophets. Amen. So here we are. We want to go ahead and look. Uh, 
The book was written in Palestine in the year 679 BC uh, to 648 BC. Now, first thing I want you to do is notice that the larger number uh, is first. Because in BC time, before Christ, uh, the numbers were large and they counted down toward zero in BC time. Now you notice in our time, huh? Did see. 
Because what, 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 what Habakkuk actually saw troubled him. He felt as though, as we read, you'll see, that he felt as though God was putting a heavy load on him because that is the, one of the definitions of the word burden is to put a heavy load, like we would load an animal for travel or, 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 or load something up for travel or to move it. What we're doing is we're burdening that thing. So whenever you feel like you have a heavy load on you, that's when we use the word burden. So the Bible says the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, hallelujah, Oh Lord, how long? How long shall I cry and thou shalt not hear? Uh oh. Even cry out unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. Now remember, Habakkuk is, is talking to the, to the Lord. Keep that in mind throughout this entire book that Habakkuk is not talking to another man. He's talking to God. And he asked God in verse 2, I reiterate for clarity, how long shall I cry and you don't hear? In other words, he feels like God is doing nothing. He already identified himself as a prophet of God. So we know that he has a relationship with God. But in this instance, we see the prophet feels as though God is not in tune with him. By the way, there's only four out of the, the entire 16 prophets, the four major and the 12 minor, only four of them actually was ever identified as a prophet. Now, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, and Haggai were identified and even called themselves prophets in their books. You notice the other uh, 12, they're only re recognized as prophets because of the content of their book. Because they felt that they were speaking to uh, and hearing from God. But these four guys, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, and Haggai, they were actually called and identified as prophets in scripture. Hallelujah. Verse 3 he says, Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? Once again, he feels as though he's being burdened by God. He feels as though, hallelujah, that, let me put it this way, let me make it personal for you and, and help you to understand. And I'm not going to put this on all pastors, I'm going to speak for myself. Sometimes, I got a question for it, like, God. Why are you showing me all this? And, and, and the implication is, I don't want to see this. I don't want to deal with this. I would really and truthfully, <laughs> I would really and truthfully rather be the guy, I would rather be the guy that can get off work, go home, play a game, cut my yard, uh, whatever I want to do for my own personal life. I would really some days rather be that guy. But I'm not that guy. I'm called and anointed by God. I've even called him myself lately a prophet. And the reason I'm saying that is because I'm saying what these prophets are saying. Hallelujah. And yes, God speaks to me. I feel every sermon, every word, every class I teach, 
I really try not to come up with any of this on my own power. I try to allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead and direct me on what God's people need to hear. Watch this. Need to hear that they may grow thereby. And too many times we come into church, the preacher teaching and preaching, and the people in the congregation, but nobody really came for a purpose. Sometimes we just come just to do our function. Oh, well, I got to teach Bible study tonight. Let me get on down there. But I come with the earnest expectation that this word is powerful and that this word will make you powerful. That's the expectation I come with. I don't come for nothing. Hallelujah. So he says now, why are you showing me these iniquities and cause me to behold grievance? Watch this. For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that rise up strife and contention. The prophet is saying, listen, everywhere I look, you know, uh, one of the uh, 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 commonalities between Isaiah and John the Baptist is they both said, I feel like I'm going crying out in the wilderness. In other words, I'm doing a bunch of screaming, but ain't nobody listening. Because he says, all I see is spoiling, violence, strife, and contention. Uh-oh, 2020. Uh-oh. And, and, and this is the true form of a true prophet. The true form of a true prophet is that the prophet has to have hindsight. He needs to be able to, to explain why things were the way that they were. Why did God do what he did in the past to reach his people? He has to have insight, and this is what I'm dealing in right now because I'm trying to show you from hindsight, which is already written in Scripture, I'm trying to show you insight into what's going on in our society today. And yes, I feel as though I'm one crying out in the wilderness. And the prophet has to have foresight. You need to be able to wait up day, a week, a month, a year, and sometimes even longer. Remember, Isaiah prophesied, Isaiah 7 and 14, I think it is, or 14 and 7, he prophesied that a virgin would conceive. And that was almost 800 years before Yeshua was born, before Jesus was born. So sometimes you really have to wait quite a while to see if a prophet is really a prophet. But for the most part, prophets just don't make one prediction. You'll be able to see some short-term prophecies come to truth, but then there's those long-term prophecies that we have to wait to come to truth, to come to pass. So if you want to know if a, if a, if a man or a woman or a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist, if you want to know if they have prophetic abilities, just listen to how they teach. Are they able to make sense in the Bible and try to explain to you what God was trying to do with his people in the past? Do they have insight to be able to make the past have ramification in your life today? Insight, right now, sight. And then, of course, we have to have foresight and to be able to warn the people that if we keep acting like they was acting today, that's what's going to happen to us in the future. You see how it goes together? If we keep acting like they was acting in the past, if we keep acting like that today, this is what our future is going to be. Hallelujah. Hindsight, insight, foresight. Amen. 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 Verse 4, he says, therefore, uh-oh, the law is slack. <laughs> Watch this. Let's back up to verse 3. Because the people now are spoiling everything around them, 
they are violent, there's always strife and contention. And since everybody has this negative mentality, verse 4 says, the law is slack. The law is slack. And judgment does not go forth. For the wicked does compass about the righteous. Uh-oh. Therefore, wrong judgment proceed. In other, <laughs> in other words, you got, you got a judge or a prophet that want to judge right and speak right, but they ain't got nothing but some demons and devils all around them looking at them like, yeah, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. I dare you. Listen, we're living in a society today where you cannot tell the truth. We're living in a society today to where you cannot be honest about your truth. Every hairstyle ain't cute, but you better say it's cute. Everybody's shape ain't cute, but you sure better not say that. Everything is not equal, but you sure better not say that. But this is why I understand I have prophetic qualities, because I really don't care. I'm going to say it, because God can back me up. And if anybody get angry and want to kill me, well, that put me right in the line of the prophets, because that's what they did then. That's what they did Jesus. So the Bible, that's why the Bible says that he was not even worried or concerned about his own life. He did not shrink from death. Hallelujah. That means Jesus wasn't scared. He wasn't scared. And to be a true man, a true woman of God, you just got to simply say what the books say. Now watch this. Watch this. Before and after I say what the books say, I have to love you. I, I, I was contemplating today. They had the little movie star that came out and said that uh, he was uh, trans, transgender. And I've been looking at that story for the last two days. I, I can't think of the name right now. Uh, but a little popular actor, or actor, I guess I should say. Because all this time we've been thinking it was a female, but he came out yesterday, yesterday the day before, and said he was transgender. And, and, and I have to realize something because we're in a, a peculiar situation as pastors and preachers today. Uh, because we are supposed to be saying what the Bible says. Well, don't you know they're trying to pass hate speech laws right now, the, the progressives? They're trying to pass hate speech laws right now that if we say from the pulpit that being homosexual is against God, that we can get jail time for that? They're trying to pass the law right now. Listen to progressives talk. So anything you say that makes the majority upset they, they gang up on you on social media and make you apologize. But if I can show you a book, a chapter, and a verse, I ain't apologizing because I ain't said it. God said it. I just read it. Mm. And this is what's happening in, in this society right now with, with Habakkuk, with Habakkuk. I'm talking about 2020, but I'm using this book as the example. So he says, therefore, and we read that already, verse 5, behold, you among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe even if somebody tell you. Who would have ever thought? We thought we was doing good. Weren't we just moving along just fine? Society was going along just fine. We allowing everybody to be free to be themselves. And I agree with that, because listen, as a black man in America, if I'm fighting for my freedom, 
I gotta let the gays fight for theirs. I gotta let the lesbians fight for theirs. We listen. When they wanted to legalize marijuana, I told everybody, and everybody know me, know I've been sold more weed and smoked more weed than the law allowed. But I told everybody when they wanted to legalize it, don't legalize it, because what you gonna tell the coke addicts when they ready to legalize that? Then what you gonna tell the heroin addicts when they ready to legalize that? Sometimes we need to have care and concern for the next generation. We only worried about us wanting to smoke weed now, but you not understanding that in a year, two years, three years, four years, five years. That, matter of fact, I think it's Oregon. In the last election in Oregon, it was on their ballot to legalize all illicit drugs. I think it's Oregon, don't quote me on the state, but look it up. There is a state, and once again, I think it's Oregon, they legalized cocaine, heroin, formaldehyde dip. They legalized it all. I told them it was going to happen. That's prophetic speaking. I said this two, three years ago. That's prophetic speaking. So he said in verse 5, God is telling the prophet, he said, listen, I'm going to do something that's going to be so spectacular that when you see it, you're not going to believe it. And look at how Corona has shut the world down. And this is how this is why I feel that it's God, because it affected the whole world. And every now and then, God uses uh, diseases, plagues, to get his people's attention. Hallelujah. And I feel that's what's going on with Corona. Because who would have ever told us this time last year, last November of 2019, I'm sorry, December now, December 2nd, who would have thought December 2nd, 2019, the whole world was going to shut down? Matter of fact, when it started shutting down, we still didn't believe it. Matter of fact, they got folk don't even believe it now. That's why we can't get rid of Corona, because they got folk don't even want to believe it. Verse 6, he says, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and nasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not there. In other words, God says, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans, a bunch of, what, what, what do you use? Bitter and uh, hasty nation. A bitter and hasty nation. I said that, that first looks like it's the end, but that's age. A bitter and hasty. God's look, look at what God said. He says, I can use anything I want to use to get your attention. Watch this. Didn't he use a jackass, a donkey, to get the prophet's attention? What was his name? Balaam? Did, did, didn't he use a raven to feed the prophet by the book, by, by the brook? Come on. God can use whatever he want to use. Didn't he use a prostitute to save his five? Hallelujah. And that woman, that, 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 that prostitute, that harlot, Rahab, wound up being the bloodline of Yeshua, in the bloodline of Jesus. Hallelujah. So God can use whatever and whoever he want to use, whenever he want to use them. So God says here in verse 6, he says, Look at what he did. First person, God said, I will raise up the Chaldeans. And look, he even admitted, he said, I know they ain't no good. They build in hasty. And they're going to watch this. They're going to come into the land, and they're going to possess dwelling places that's not theirs. In other words, God is telling the people, they're going to come, and they're going to take your stuff. 
Verse 7. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hates to eat. They shall come all far by. Their faces shall sum up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the same. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap up dust and take it. They're not going to listen to the authorities, y'all, in other words. Isn't that, isn't that what's going on now? That we got, we got a, a, a dreadful, deadly disease going on. And you have medical authorities Fauci Fauci had served under what? If I, if I remember correctly, Fauci had served, up, served under six administrations. Five or six administrations. That means Trump, Obama, Clinton. Young Bush, Clinton, and Daddy Bush. I think, I think Fauci had been there since Daddy Bush. Maybe even before that. And he's been doing the same job all that time and the world was listening to him, and believe it or not, we've had uh, diseases pop up all throughout Fauci's time that he was able to cure with as, as, as less casualties as possible. He was able to cure those diseases. And now we get to this dispensation, and all of a sudden, Fauci don't know what you're talking about. That's because we're living under an authority that don't want to listen to authority. And we live, we're, we're, we're really, really in sad shape. And I'm glad God put this book on my heart because to me, this book has direct semblance of what's going on in America today. Verse 11. Then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend in putting this, his power upon his God. You notice that's a little G on his God. You talk about the Chaldeans. They gonna come in and set up their God, which is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is not the God who stood out on the baskets of nothing and started calling things into being. If I remember, the Chaldeans is where uh, Abraham come from, Ur of Chaldeans. And if I remember correctly, they were sun and moon worshipers. Hallelujah. Oh, by the way, let me throw this in right quick, just to hit you something. Don't you know you still a, a sun and a moon worshiper? Call yourself worshiping God? Sun day. Moon day. Wind day. Saturn day. Now, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, I've read them before, but I forget what they stand for. But all of that is Greek God. All of that is mythology. I challenge you to show me a day of the week that has a name beside the Sabbath. In the Bible, in Scripture, it 
It's called day one. In Jewish culture, in Hebrew culture, it's called day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day of preparation, and the Sabbath day. That's what it's called. So when they gave the names of the days, watch this, when, 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 when we receive uh, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, we also receive Jesus. Because that's not his original name. That's his name that they gave while, when the people of God was living in Rome. It's a Roman Greco name. I'm not saying it's wrong to say it. But I do believe that God's people should understand that devout Christians, that when we meet Mary and Joseph in the Bible, the, the, they are described as devout Jews. And devout Jews did not name a Jewish boy Jesus. I'm not going to go into the thing about Hebrew don't have a chance. I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to give you some serious rationale. Hallelujah. And, 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 and to be able to uh, get ourselves in line with God, because I, I read a whole lot of places in the New Testament where Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commands. If you love me. But if you're just playing around with me and you, you're having a list of affairs on the side, <laughs> you understand. But Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commands. And then he broke it down. He was like, uh, it, I didn't come to do my will, I came to do the will of the Father. So technically, when you're keeping the commandments of Yeshua, you're actually keeping the commandments of the Father. Hallelujah. Because Jesus came to do what the Father and said. Amen. Amen. All right. Verse 12. He says, uh oh, he asked the question in now. He says, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? See, this boy really, this boy really trying to get some information out of God now. He buttering God up. And when Jesus gave us the model prayer, which we call the Our Father prayer, he, he said, you got to start off with buttering God up. Oh, God, how holy. When you, when you really pray, you're going to start off with, oh, God, how holy you are. Hallowed be thy name. Hallelujah. Our Father, our Father, which art in heaven, holy is thy name. We got to give God his reverence and his glory. We can't just come before God, drop on our knees or have whatever prayer posture you in. We can't just come before God and just go, God, I want this, and God, I need this, and God bless my family, and God bless the workers, that, and God bless the people who are in, uh, in the hospitals, and God bless all the people in the prison, and then get up. You didn't give God no glory, no honor, no first place in your life. Hallelujah. We have to acknowledge him. A lot of times, get out the habit of asking God for stuff. I know the Bible says that we got to ask him because uh, he already know what we need, but he like, I know it says that, but sometimes it shouldn't be an asking prayer. Sometimes it should simply just be a thank you prayer, a God you so good prayer, a God you are holy, you are righteous, you are awesome, you are omnipresent, you are omniscient. Hallelujah, you are the king of God. Hallelujah. Lift God up. The Bible says that he inhabits what? The praise of his people. In other words, he lives in it. Hallelujah. Amen. We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. 
And almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Well, this verse, it's a little turn from what he was originally talking about because now the prophet is talking about the inner man. He's talking about the soul and the spirit and not concerned about the flesh. That's why he said, we shall not die. He said, I know my soul and my spirit ain't going to die. My body, my body might uh, go to the ground. My, Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, Ecclesiastes 12, uh, I think it's 12, he said, when we die, the body go to the ground where it comes from and the spirit go back to God who gave And once again, but for uh, learning purposes, what we're doing in, in church and Christendom, we're not trying to uh, save people's flesh. It's not called flesh salvation. In Christendom, we're not trying to save people's spirits. The spirit goes back to God who gave it. Our spirits are perfect. The question is, is have yours been turned on by accepting Jesus? Because a lot of folks just walking around with a dead spirit inside of them. But what we're really doing is soul salvation. We're trying to save people's souls. And that is a huge difference between the soul and the spirit. The word spirit, the Greek word spirit is pneuma, which means air, where we get our word pneumonia from. That's the word for spirit. But the word for sukkah, I mean for soul, is sukkah, the inner part of man. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, your intellect, your passions, your desires, and your appetites. In other words, your soul really makes you who you are. It's why you think the way you think. That's on your soul, your mind, your will, your intellect. So we're doing soul salvation. We're trying to change your mind, your will, and your intellect, your passions, your desires, and your appetites toward God. It makes make sense, amen. So he says, we, will, we shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained, come on, my soul and my spirit, for judgment. The flesh and I don't be judged, y'all. So I guess I better say right here, stop trying to straighten out your flesh. Because all you're trying to do is impress yourself and other people. Your flesh, my flesh, is going to the ground where it comes from. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, honey. The Bible says that God formed a man out of dust and ground. And he became a living soul and God breathed into his nostrils. Our spirits and our souls have been ordained for judgment. This is what eternal life is all about. Where will you spend eternity with God? Have you ever read 1 Thessalonians and uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15? And he's trying to he's trying to explain to us about a glorified body. Because don't you think? Don't you think that in the resurrection that this fleshly body is what's going to ascend into heaven? No, 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 no. Read 1 Corinthians 15 toward the end when you get around verse 15, from late 40s and 50 and all that. He's talking about, how he's trying to explain how that creatures are made out of different material with God. Our soul and our spirits will not die. They have eternal life. Not your flesh. Remember, you're three-part being. Your soul and your spirit have eternal life. Now the question becomes, where is that? Is it with God? Or is it out of the presence of God? 
That's why Revelation talks about the second death. Is that written? The second death. Amen. He also says, Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Because that's the part we're trying to save. We're trying to save the soul. You, listen, I, I am a firm believer that we will never perfect, perfect the flesh. I'm a firm believer of that. Now, I want to use an example, and this is not to ridicule anybody, but I think it's an appropriate example. This is why at convent, you find graveyards of buried babies. Because folk trying to make you think they got their flesh together. <laughs> you, see more, you see more whiskey bottles and wine bottles around convent? They got this thing talking about the priest. The priest ain't supposed to be having sex. Well, if you were allowed to get married and have sex, they might not be messing with all the good boys. This is not to ridicule or shame, but I just want to use this as an example how man can come up with some rules to try to uh, make it look like the flesh is perfect. My flesh ain't perfect. I'm going to just be honest with you. There's proclivities and predilections about Jack Benny Chapman Jr. I try to keep them at home. Every now and then they creep out. But those are fleshly issues. But in my spirit and in my soul, I'm a firm believer that through the power of God, through the blood of his son, and the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, that God is able to transform the way that I think, my mind, my will, my intellect, that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is, is he can change my appetites, my desires, and, and those things that I love. He can take my mind, he can take all of those things from worldly things. That's what salvation is. Salvation is God placing his Holy Spirit in us, and the Holy Spirit now begins to take our focus out of the world, and he begins to guide our focus over toward godly things. You see how slow I'm going? I'm going that slow on purpose because that's how long it takes for the Holy Spirit to begin to change us from who we were into what God now wants us to be. And look, I'm but watch this. This would happen every now and then in life too. You get way up in and bang. Every now and then the Holy Spirit got to start over on you. Somebody better say amen. The Holy Spirit is transforming us if we allow him. The Bible says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. In other words, let him do his job. And he's trying to turn us from the world, having our focus on the world, having our conversation in the world, having our thoughts in the world. He's trying to change us and have us focused over here on God. He's trying to turn us to heaven. He's trying to turn us to righteousness. He's trying to turn us to honesty. He's trying to make us honorable and holy and righteous people. But it takes a while. And we have to be able to give the Holy Spirit time to change us, watch this, not only us, but to change those around us. Hallelujah. Verse 13, he says, Thou art of pure eye than to behold evil. He says, and you cannot even look at iniquity. Well, I wrote in my notes right here, this is how you know when the Holy Spirit is working with you. There, there, there's a few indicators that you should know personally 
that the Holy Spirit is working on you. You know, the, 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 there's an old song, uh, or old preaching verse that says, I looked at my hands and my hands looked beautiful. I looked at my feet and they did too. Eh. How about with the things that I like to hold in my hands that God don't like? The Holy Spirit is trying to direct my attention away from that. But when I do those things, the writer here is implying that God does not see sin. I would like to use this example for you. This is how I know I'm changing in my Christian walk. Uh, let me rephrase that. This is how I know the Holy Spirit is changing me in my Christian walk. Once again, not to ridicule, he's the only example. Come on, tell your neighbor, he's the only example. I have made a habit. Whenever they get ready to show uh, sex scenes in movies, whether it's, whether it's uh, homosexual or heterosexual, uh, whether it's homosexual or heterosexual, I turn my head down. And I feel that that's what this verse is saying. It's not that God can't see iniquity. I think God just turns his head. He won't look at it. Remember now, the Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father doing what? When Jesus, when Jesus rose, it says he walked this earth for 40 days and 40 nights, but after that he ascended into heaven on the cloud and he's sitting at the right hand of majesty doing what? Making what? Intercession for us. Because God still does not deal with sin. This is why the son sitting on the side of the father and when we sin, God is ready to pronounce his judgment because that's how he is. But the son leans, leans over and says, Daddy, Look at my blood on them. And God relents. But there's obviously, there is obviously a time, uh, all times, when God and the Son must come to an agreement and be like, you know what? They out of control. Because in why, why, let me show you why I say that. He says, wherefore, in other words, why do you look upon them that deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devour the man that is more righteous than he is? In other words, God, why are you not saying anything? You act, watch this. Verse 13, he said, you act like you don't see the sin. You won't say nothing about the sin that's going on. There are evil people devouring your people. The Bible says, and I think it's in John, in the Gospel of John, he says that the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence, and violent men are taken it by force. And it seems as though God is not concerned, but I want to tell you today that he is concerned. God still sits high and looks down low. Hallelujah. He sees everything that's going on. He's in tune with everything that's going on. But listen, we cannot have it both ways with God. We cannot be totally disobedient to the word of God and then expect God to continue to bless us. Hallelujah. God wants his people to live according to his standard, according to his plumb line, as Amos called it. And when we get too out of control, 
living outside of his boundaries, he has to do something to get our attention to what? To reel us back in. Every now and then, watch this, watch this, thank you, Holy Spirit. Every now and then, a punishment ain't to hurt you. Sometimes a punishment is to help you. Parents know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you punish your kid, they think you're being mean and trying to hurt Actually, that's what we think about God and Christianity altogether. We think God trying to take away all our fun. Like God is trying to hurt us. God is trying to help us. Before I move on, turn your head from sin. When you see something happen, and you know it's going to happen, turn the channel. Turn your head from that. Don't let your children get used to watching movies where somebody walk up to somebody with a gun and it show. These days, Hollywood show everything, and it show just blow their brains all over the place. Don't, don't desensitize your children's minds to that. Because it's not just the brain that's being desensitized. It's the soul. We allow the soul to become wicked because we let too much in. And it's becoming normal to us. Verse 14 says, And make men as fish of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. It seems as though God is letting the people get caught up. Now, how many, how, how many of you know that in the old Bibles, and I've I, I said this before, in the older Bibles, there was a blank page in between Matthew and uh, Malachi. Between the Old Testament and New Testament, you see a blank page. And my teaching has taught me that that, play, that blank page represented those three or four hundred years when God did not speak to the people. Watch this. As a parent, every now and then you got to cut your kids loose. Tell the truth. Now, come on. You, you, you've done all you can do. You've done all the talking you can do. You done bailed them out two or three times. You done bailed them out of jail two or three times. And, and they still hard-headed. They still want to get in trouble. Every now and then, tell the truth. Every now and then, we've got to cut them kids loose. It ain't that you don't love them. You're giving them what we call that what? That tough love. And every now and then, you got to turn them loose. Now, we know that as a parent. How many of you know that God knows that as a parent as well? Amen. Amen. So verse 14, it seems as though, uh, watch this. Let's, uh, let's, let's look at this next. They take up all of them with the angel. Uh-oh. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Now, you notice he said that they know how to catch them and take them up with their angel. Now, I, I really had to do a study on this verse because I wanted to understand what he meant. And he's saying that back in the day, and even people who fish now, uh, there, there, let me put it this way. There were some praying going on. There was some praying going on by fishermen. And, and, and I believe that fishermen probably still do that today. But what they were praying for is they would catch up the people in their nets 
and dragged them and seduced them. Look at verse 16. He says, therefore, they sacrificed into their net and burned incense to their drag, because by them their portion is fat and their meat is plenty. In other words, they prayed to these. Matter of fact, what was that state? Look, look at verse 11 where he says that they turned them to the power of their God. And that's what he's still talking about here, is that the Chaldeans, God have allowed his people to become like fish, and the Chaldeans coming by uh, with their nets just catch, just catch. The world, the world is dragging us as God's people. We so busy trying to be uh, popular and trying to be uh, friendly and trying to fit in that we allow the world, uh, which is represented here by the Chaldeans, we allow them to catch us in their net and just drag us away. Like fish. Look at what he said uh, that at verse 14. He says that they have they acting like they don't have no ruler. You acting like you don't have a God. We just want to say his name. And we, we just want to talk about God. But we live like we really don't have a God. So in verse 16, he says, therefore, they now, the Chaldeans, are now burning sacri sacrifices to their net and burning incense to their drag, because by them, their portion is fat. In other words, they didn't caught enough people in their net. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and 1 that we have to learn how to test the spirit. You can't go with every woman doctrine. You can't go with everything you hear. You have to be able to know God's word and test the spirit by God's word. See if it's, if it's of God. Otherwise, the world with all this enticing, the progressive movement, I pray to God y'all heard me Saturday say, go look up and study on what the progressive movement is. It's a political word now. They don't use Democrat, Republican no more. They don't use conservative and liberal no more. Now they're talking about progressives and non-progressives. And we're progressing ourselves right away from God. Every step we take, we're going in the wrong direction. Verse 17 says, Shall they therefore empty their net and not, and not spare continuously to slay the nation? In other words, they send the boat back out. They ain't caught enough of us yet. The enemy, who, who God has represented right here as the Chaldeans, the world, you might say, and, and what, what, what he said is they, they came through with their boats and their nets, and they caught a whole lot of God's people slipping. What Mel said, slipping and tripping in church. In church, and he got caught up in the devil's net. Hallelujah. But I like this last verse. He said they're going to go to the port, they're going to empty their nets, and they're coming back out to try to catch some more. In other words, the Bible says when the devil took Jesus to the wilderness and tempted him, the Bible says when Jesus whipped him, the Bible says that the devil only went away to another opportune time. So every defeat you got in the devil, you do just like a good football team. You take that win, and if you won that game on Sunday, you celebrate Sunday. Hallelujah, we won the game. But I'm telling you, after you celebrate on Sunday, you better get yourself in practice on Monday for the rest of the week because the devil coming back. So celebrate over your victories when you get a victory over the devil. But don't celebrate too long, honey, because he will be back. Hallelujah. Glory to his marvelous name. Hallelujah. Amen. That's chapter one of Habakkuk. Read it on your own. Study the notes.